It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am excited. I have Dr. Joe Vitale uh, joining us here in a couple of seconds. Uh, We're going to be talking about one of those things, one of those uh, uh, creature comforts that is so vitally important, that is money. Money, Love, Speed is the title of Joe's latest book. Uh, Dr. Joe Vitale, for for those who do not know him, uh, uh, he's uh, one of the stars of the movie The Secret. Uh, I believe this is his 70th book. Uh, You can just Google uh, Dr. Joe Vitale, go to Amazon, Dr. Joe Vitale, and you'll see a plethora, a library of information. And Dr. Joe Vitale uh, was uh, uh, at one point homeless, didn't have a car, didn't have a home, was completely homeless there in Dallas, Texas, Uh, moved forward a few years, and now he uh, lives the life of dreams. Um, Dr. Joe Vitale, welcome to the show. You caught me taking a swig of water. <laughs> <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> you think I would be. Um, thank you. It's great to be here. Great to see you. Always love your energy and our inter- interchanges when we have them. So yeah. thank you. You bet. You bet. Uh, yeah. You know, so uh, last time I, I saw you and, and Lisa there in, in California, you're telling me about the book. And then, of yeah. course, uh, you know, not only does money love speed, but I would say Dr. Joe loves speed because, you know, it goes from idea to uh, what do you call it? Uh, physical manifestation uh, about as fast as possible. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, that's one of the secrets. You know, money loves speed. What people don't realize is that when they get an idea, it's a gift. It's a gift from the universe, from the divine, from the great something, whatever you want to call it. It comes as a gift. And most people, what do they do? They dismiss it. They talk themselves out of it. They second guess it. They doubt it. They think, well, it's a good idea. Maybe I'll do it later. Later never comes. And if there is a later and they look at the idea, there's no enthusiasm for the idea. The energy is gone. The rush is gone. So money loves speed means a couple things. One is when you get an idea, you have to act on it and act on it fast. Part of that is to show your gratitude and acknowledgement to the universe. You'll get more ideas if you do that. But here's the other thing. And this is kind of like a secret to productivity. When you get an idea, you feel great. I know you feel great when you get an idea. I feel fantastic. The idea fuels you with energy. And here's what I do, Bert. I use the energy of the idea to make the idea a reality. Mm. I ride the energy like a horse and I get the idea done because the energy of the idea itself helps me complete it. So money loves speed, the universe loves speed, and Dr. Joe loves speed. Yes, yes. You know what, what's interesting, I think a lot of people have had a great idea, that million dollar idea, and because they don't act on it, we've heard people say, you know, I I thought of that, but I didn't think anybody uh, would really want that product or that service, or I, I had that idea, but I didn't know how to make it happen. And now so-and-so has become rich and famous from that idea. That, And I think that is the, you know, uh, I think you and I have talked about this before, where the universe might give that same idea to multiple people, and the one who acts on it 
wins. It's Tony Robbins who will often ask people at one of his big events, how many had an idea for a product or service and didn't act on it? And almost everybody raises their hand. And then they'll say, well, how many of you six months later saw the idea in completed form as you drove down the street, there was the business, or you saw it online, if it was a book, there it was on Amazon. Virtually everybody raised their hand. My, my, my bet, my philosophy, my understanding is that the universe gives the idea to a dozen or so people because it knows 11 of the, the dozen won't do it. And it's trying to find somebody to bring the idea to life. So that's why I think more than one person gets the idea. And the idea, the person who jumps on the idea is the one who's going to profit first. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I met uh, a young lady a while back and I, I failed to remember her name. But uh, one of the things that she would do when she would get a great idea, if she was too busy to act on it, she would ride that, that energy you're talking about and she would contact her list and say, I have this great idea. And if somebody wants to joint venture with me on it, contact me. And so she said that she's created multiple businesses and ventures, some that have been extremely successful, some that have been minimally successful, but that's how she's been able to sometimes use that current of idea. That's a great insight and a great tip. I hadn't thought about it before, but I have a dozen or so books that are co-authored books. And being co-authored at the time enabled me to get the books done fast without me doing the whole thing by myself. I think you remember Jay Conrad Levinson, the guerrilla marketer. Yes. After the first couple of books came out, there was a long line of books that came out that were all great and they were all on different subjects, but he didn't really write any of them. He was the co-author on them and other people carried the bulk of the work. Now, why was he doing that? So he can get these ideas to marketplace fast without having to wait, without having to do it himself. I've even noticed Dan Kennedy, who is a great living legend as a marketer, the last few of his books all have a co-author with them. I'm not saying this is a, a secret to you know, getting more done, but I am saying it's a secret to getting things done when you don't have all the time to do it. You don't have all the inclination and you may not have all of the energy to do it. So it's a great insight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So again, the book money loves speed. Um, yeah. and, and it's awesome, but I want to kind of start the book. I want to go to the book kind of in reverse order. Um, okay. one of my favorite chapters in the book, uh, is uh, the limiting beliefs that, you know, we all have them. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, in the book, you just list 10 of them, the top 10 limiting beliefs. And we could do a whole segment on limiting beliefs because uh, this is, I think, the thing that makes or breaks us. Um, mm -hmm. And in there, uh, one, of, one, one that I thought I did, was not expecting, um, and it's it's – the 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 section that you wrote about money doesn't grow on trees. I'm thinking, is this wow. really a limiting belief? Talk about this, why you included this in the book. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you picked that section out because for me, beliefs are the answer to receiving more money. I have somewhere else in the book, I say that money has no beliefs about you. Money has no beliefs about you. You have beliefs about money. And it's those beliefs that are actually creating filters that don't allow you to see money. 
and actually create a limitation and a block to money. And one of my other quotes that's in the book is from Arnold Patton. And Arnold Patton said, we don't create abundance. We create limitations. I mean, my God, that, that's such an insight right there. We don't create abundance. We create limitations. So that section in the book on the, the top 10 limiting beliefs is profound in my personal opinion, because when you unlock those and you unpack them from your own brain, you're now free. You are free to see the very abundance that's been around you all along. The limitations that we were perceiving were self-created. So the belief money doesn't grow on trees. We all heard that. We all heard that growing up. And of course, if you go look at the trees, you're not going to see money on the trees. So on one level, you're going, hey, that's true. There's no money on those trees. But why do we say that? Right. Why do we say, you know, one of the things I have to learn to do is turn my phone off. Hang up. Hang up. <laughs> this is real, folks. This is like real TV. It's supposed to hang up. Who's calling that's so insistent? Bert, are you calling me while we're doing this? Let's see. No, uh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, lessons learned. And uh, so money doesn't grow on trees. That's a belief that's out there. We would all nod our heads and go, yeah, that's right. Why are we saying that? Right. Underneath it is a statement of scarcity. Mm. What we're saying is money doesn't grow on trees, so don't spend it. Don't let go of it so easily. Don't give it away. Don't invest it. Don't uh, uh, share it. Don't give it. Don't do anything with it. You better hold on to your money. And that's it. You better hold on to your money because money doesn't grow on trees. Yes. And what we want to look at is the scarcity mindset. When I was growing up, my father said, you know, the best way to double your money, fold it over and put it back in your pocket. And I thought, oh, my father, he's brilliant. That's right. Just fold the money over and put it back in your pocket. <laughs> and then decades later, when I'm an adult and I'm wondering why I'm broke, yeah. you know, go through homelessness, go through poverty, and I'm still struggling. And I'm going, why? There's money everywhere. Why don't I have some? And I start to realize, oh, that early programming. What my father said was true for him. He was born in 1925. The Great Depression in the United States was 1929. He's a five-year-old learning in a most hardwired experience that money does not grow on trees. Money is definitely limited. And if you don't watch your nickels, you are going to starve. Right. That programmed him for life. The reality is... That was a temporary moment in time that wired his brain to think in a different way about prosperity or the lack of prosperity. I have actually learned, and I talk about it in the book, you know, one of the best ways to double your money, one of the best ways to increase your attraction factor when it comes to receiving money is give it away. Give it away. I talk about it as one of the principles in the book. Now, a lot of people heard it because of tithing. And I refine it a little bit and I say, yeah, I want you to give money away. But here's the catch. Ask yourself who or what inspired you? Who spiritually nourished you over the last week or so? Who made you feel better about yourself or life? Give your 10% to that person, place, or thing, which may or may not be a religion or a church or a minister. Right. It could be an Uber driver. It could be yeah. anything or anybody. But one of the best ways to uh, double your money is start giving it away. 
this is a reverse of money doesn't grow on trees. I want people to become aware of where are these beliefs coming from and what's underneath them? What's the psychology behind money doesn't grow on trees? The psychology is scarcity. Yes. We want to leave scarcity. We want to go into not just even survival. We want to go into success. We want to go into thriving. We want to go into prosperity. We want to go into abundance. We want to go into a benestrophy of a universe where all of the treasures are actually waiting for us because we remove the blinders that don't allow us to see them. Yes, yes. You know, listening to your story about your dad reminded me of my story. My dad, uh, his, uh, his uh, what do you call it, ma mantra, if you will, that he used to tell us is, hey, if you don't have a dollar to your, if you don't have at least a dollar in your pocket, you're not a man. <laughs> and, and so can you imagine... Right. I'll tell you how many times between the age of, let's say, 15 and 25, I would say, well, I have a buck in my pocket, so, I'm, you know, technically I'm still a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, my father also my father also said, your best friend, your best friend is your dollar bill in your pocket. Yeah. And I believe, I believe he learned that from the U.S. Marines that he went into in the 1940s. So... And what we're really pointing out here, and this is what I want everybody to start thinking about, is there's a programming that we all received. This programming was given to us by good-natured people who cared about us. Your father cared when he said that. My father cared when he told me these statements. He did not know that they were statements of limitation. He did not ever question it because it was working for him. He was surviving. He was getting by. So doubling his money by folding it over and keeping it worked for him. Having a dollar in his pocket made him feel like he had a friend. That worked for him. But what I'm inviting people to do is look at your life. Are you struggling? Are you really having problems with money or making the ends meet? Or do you have dreams that you can't fund because you're not raising the money? What you have to look at is not the economy, not even your business practices. You have to look at your own mind. You have to look at your mind and say, okay, what was the programming I received? Is that programming true? Is that programming serving me? Is it time to exchange that programming for a more prosperous one, for a more awakened one. And that's part of what I'm doing with the book. The whole idea of the book is to take people who are struggling, get them off the streets, get them out of hunger, get them out of that desperate feeling and move them into a place where they start to think more in terms of empowerment and even move past that to a place where it could be called, I don't know, a spiritual wealth awakening. Sure. All of that in you know 200 pages. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what? And here's what's interesting about our beliefs is that some people, uh, let's say, you know, their belief or, you know, uh, sometimes it's expressed as a thermometer is set at one hundred thousand yes. dollars. Some yes. people are set at five hundred thousand. Some people are at a million or five million. And we yes. have limiting beliefs that, OK, this is it. I've reached my pinnacle of success. Um, and then I've also I had this issue in my life for many years where I would. I would all of a sudden have this abundance of success and money and all of a sudden, you know, life was going great. And then little by little, I whittled it away. I pissed it away. I, you know, it, it, it just, it just went from, it escaped my, my, my grasp all of a sudden. And I'm going, man, I, so I got to start over again. And, and so uh, I started kind of making a note of these things that I was doing. What was I thinking? Uh, what was I, what was I, um, you know, why did I take this action? And a lot of it 
came back to me as just being, uh, you know, uh, arrogant, uh, mm. statistical, uh, you know, mm. hey, Albert Martinez, I just, I made a fortune, so therefore, you know, I'm unstoppable. Uh -huh. Oh, no, I'm not, stop I'm, I'm completely stoppable. <laughs> <laughs> right. What well, we all are. Yeah. You know, there's a book out by Ryan Holiday, it's called Ego is the Enemy. Ego yes. is the Enemy. And it reflects what you were just talking about. But let's go a little deeper there, because I think we can all relate to the idea of making so much money, but struggling to make more than that. Yes. And there's what's called a wealth set point. We talk about a weight set point and fitness. Well, there's a wealth set point, And that is in your subconscious, unconscious mind is this invisible line where you, because of your belief system, believe you can only have so much money. And in fact, if you cross that line a little bit, you'll have an accident, there'll be some sort of problem, you'll have some bills surface, something unexpected will require some, some, some payment, or maybe you'll just get reckless like we were just talking about and you'll start spending it, losing it. And before you know it, it's not there anymore. A lot of people who won the lottery are actually broke and worse off one year later than when they won hundreds of thousands to hundreds of millions of dollars. And you wonder, scratching your head, what in the world happened? Well, what happened is they weren't ready for that money. They hadn't grown into a new wealth set point. I knew this back in the early days of internet marketing, probably back in the 1990s. And I wrote one of the first books on internet marketing and was considered a pioneer of internet marketing. I started making quite a bit of money. But I noticed I hit a ceiling. It was like, how can I hit a ceiling? This is the internet. There's no block and there's nobody regulating it. Nobody's saying, you can't make more than that, Joe. You better stop. <laughs> and I remember questioning in my own brain, what would be in me that would stop me from making more money in a world that is truly unlimited and with a terrain, the internet, that is global, intergalactic maybe, with no limitations, no boundaries whatsoever. And it dawned on me. I didn't want to be more successful than my father. Wow. And it was a wow. I got it. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. I, I was worried that he would be embarrassed. I was worried that I would shame him in some way, shape, or form. And so I had to dig deeper. And I'm inviting people to do that in case they relate to the idea of making more money than their spouse or a parent or some loved one in their family tree. And I remember thinking to myself, wouldn't my father be embarrassed? And I thought, no, he'd be proud. Yes. And, and that was true because I lifted the barrier. I was able to bring in even more and just keep expanding. And as I was, he truly was. He was impressed. He was inspired. He was baffled. He was, <laughs> he was wanted to, curious. He wanted to know more. So I wrestled that away. But also what we're realizing is that we have to keep moving the wealth barrier. Yes. That wealth set point, we keep changing it. We keep raising it. I think it's your buddy Arnold Schwarzenegger who always says, stay hungry. Yes. We want to stay hungry. I mean, he could settle. He could stop. He doesn't have to make another movie or do another activity or write another book. He doesn't have to do any of that. Right. He's doing it anyway because he has to keep growing. He has to keep stretching. And I think that's one of the secrets. We want to keep looking at ourselves, keep dismantling the blocks, removing the limitations, and then keep going forward. Oh. Well, and, and to that point, this is one of the, the big aha moments that I learned from you, uh, you know, at, at your treehouse uh, back in the day. Uh, and 
you know, because I think as as one of our limiting beliefs is, uh, you know, or confusion, or whatever is when is enough enough? Mm-hmm. And and so one of the things I learned from you was, you know, that, uh, you know, that we are creatures of abundance and our job is to constantly expand. We may not necessarily need more money, but do we need more help? Do we need more love? Do we you know, what can we do with the money that we have? To make you know to, to make uh, burdens light for somebody else you know uh, start a charity you know th- there's always something uh, you know that we can do to expand uh, mm-hmm. ourselves right and it's not just making more money but how are you using that money how are you showing that money gratitude how are you ex- you know expressing yourself to others and right. that what that that thought changed uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of my thinking because it's so true. We, we don't want to end. Uh, we always want more. And it's mm-hmm. it's not about being selfish. Um, you know, th- there are some people who are selfish, obviously, but it's not about being selfish. It's about the fact that that is our God given nature to be constantly expanding. We're constantly learning. We should be constantly sharing, constantly loving and all and so on and so on and so on. I love that. So there's a quote that's in the beginning of the book, Money Loves Speed. It's also by Arnold Patton, and it it speaks to what you're bringing up. He says, the sole purpose of money. Now stop right there. The sole purpose of money. What is the sole purpose of money? He says, the sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. And I think that is the most profound statement. I remember when I first read it, he wrote a little book called Money that's out of print. And I read it in that book, and I remember thinking, oh, there's got to be some sort of um, uh, way that this isn't true. It can't be true across the board. And then I started thinking, well, when I make a car payment, I'm grateful to have a car. Make an electric payment, I'm grateful to have the electricity or the Internet. Make a phone payment for the telephone, I'm grateful to have the phone. Go to the store, buy food, I'm grateful to have food. And I started to realize, man, the sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. That one thought alone will transform our relationship to money. Most people still think money is the root of all. They all just said evil. Evil, yeah. Yeah, they all just said evil in their head. And I talk about that as one of the the top 10 limiting beliefs. The longer biblical phrase actually says, and it's even open to misinterpretation, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And what I have discovered is that the wealthy people that I've met, the wealthy people that are well-adjusted making a difference in the world, do not love money. They use money. They leverage money. They appreciate money. There's that appreciation. They appreciate money. And so for me, the great tool of money is that it enables you to fulfill your dreams. It enables you to help your family and friends live a great life. It enables you to steward the money to go where it would make the most difference. If you care about a school in Africa or shortage of water in some other country or a disease breaking out somewhere and you have money because you made peace with money, you can direct that money to where you think it's going to do the most good. Money is neutral. It is a powerful tool. I tell people money is no more looking for something. It's like saying my pen is evil. My pen is evil. Oh, my God. (laughs) The love of all pens is the root of all evil. But with the pen, I can write a manifesto. I can write a love song. I can write a grocery list. The pen is freaking innocent. Money is innocent. It's how we use it. 
And what I'm encouraging people to do is to use it to fulfill their life mission. Yes. Yeah. No. And that's great. Uh, and, and back to the whole appreciation thing, a pin can express appreciation. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, uh, the book, uh, Money, Love, Speed, available on Amazon or where your favorite books uh, like to break, get your favorite books. I'm also going to put a link in the notes. Uh, and um, all right. So uh, here's one that I have heard. Now I want to cover this and then we'll move on. And that is more money, more problems. And, you know, again, I think uh, a lot of people have heard this, you know, well, if, you know, if I start making more money, I got to pay more taxes. That's, that's a good thing. But again, right. it's that that conditioning that mm -hmm. more money is more problems because your friends are going to ask for money. Your relatives are going to ask for money. Uh, people are going to judge you. Talk talk about this more this mindset, this limiting belief that we have. And that's what it is. It's a limiting belief. It all it all comes from the idea of fear and scarcity. It comes from the idea that you're not going to be safe. If you have a lot of money, you're going to have people coming after you for that money. If you have a lot of money, there's going to be a lot of problems that come inherent with it. Like, how am I going to do the taxes? How am I going to control this, invest this? What do I do with that much money? It's going to be overwhelming. All of that is from the scarcity, terrified, survival-oriented mindset. I wrote another book called The Awakened Millionaire. And The Awakened Millionaire is my idea of saying, look, what we want to do is awaken to the idea that you can have money, you can use money, you can appreciate money, you can leverage money. And if there's things you don't understand about money, like taxes, you hire the people who do understand it and who love doing it. There'll be an awakened millionaire in the tax department. They will come in and help you with those areas. You don't have to know it all. I certainly don't know it all. As much as I've been on the internet, I still don't know how to write a website. And in the early days, I tried to do my own taxes. I hated it, I was bad at it, and I always got it wrong. When I gave it to somebody who loved doing taxes, I found that I made more money. Right. I made more money because I gave that away and I had the freedom to go do what I was good at doing. And I freed myself up to receive more ideas, to act on more ideas and more. So again, like the other beliefs that are in the book, we want to unpack them so we can find out that at the root of them is a psychology about fear, scarcity, insecurity. And the prosperous mindset leaves all of that behind. I've often said that we live in an optical illusion. I mean, you can have either one. It's an optical illusion, optical illusion kind of a universe. If you believe in lack and scarcity and you still believe about some of the beliefs that are being said about there'll be a lot of problems if you have a lot of money, you can look into the world, especially right there on the internet, and you will find evidence to support your belief. But if you change that, and you start to believe in prosperity and abundance, you can look on the same internet and do searches on the same computer and you will find evidence for abundance. Which do you wanna believe? It's an optical illusion universe. You can have either one. So if you wanna be broke, if you wanna struggle, you can do it. Just know you're consciously deciding to do it. And if you want to move into prosperity, you can do that with a decision. You can do that with new research. You can do that with books, like my new book and other ones, and move forward. Yes. It's your choice. 
Yes, I love that. Yeah, and you know what? And, and again, this is something that I learned from you is that we're we're all kind of hypnotizing ourselves. Yes. You know, uh, we are in an illusion, and, and and back to using your your uh, you know your your example there is what illusion do you want to live in? In, in an abundance or scarcity? Uh, you look. Uh, you mentioned Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger should not have done what he did. He comes right. here. He barely speaks English. He's got this. The, the, you know, uh, his uh, when he wanted to get into acting, people said, "No, you're too big. Your accent's too strong. Your name is too huge." You just went silent on me. Somebody doesn't have a version of Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, accent. So let's see if we can fix this. All right. Uh, testing one, two, three. Can you hear me now? Uh, you were breaking up. I think I got you back. Speak okay. To me, testing brother. one, two, three. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Testing one, two, three. I just okay. heard it. So okay. you look at like a Schwarzenegger, Elon Musk. And the, and the list goes on. And these people have a ridiculous self-delusion, illusion, belief <laughs> system. And they, you know, and people constantly scratch their head and say, well, how do you do that? He should not have been able to do that, you know, and, and it just goes on and on. And so, um, you know, again, there's a topic there that we could speak on uh, for a long time. But since you mentioned uh, you know, looking and finding. I want to talk about something that you brought up that you call RAS, and, and I want to, yes. I want you to talk about what the heck is RAS, and and uh, uh, again, you cover in the book. Talk about RAS. Yeah, I love RAS. That's R A S, which means your reticular activating system, and this is brain science. This is something everybody already has. The RAS is in the the back of our brain at the top of the uh, spinal cord at the stem there. And it's already hardwired for survival, which means it's programmed to filter 40 million bits of information that's available in any one second to give you anything that's a threat to your life. And we can all applaud ourselves because we're all surviving. So our RAS, reticular activating system, is working. But what most people don't know is you can program it for something else. And I talk about this in the book. It's one of my favorite subjects. The reticular activating system can be programmed to bring you wealth or romance or health or prosperity in whatever sort of form that means to you. And you just have to know how to program it. And because I want to be of service to people, I'm going to quickly tell them, here's the three ways to program your reticular activating system. The one is, of course, know what you want. It all starts with that. It all starts with an intention. What do you want? What do you want? After you answer that question, then the three things you need to do is, first of all, find an image, a graphical representation of whatever it is that you want to have, do, or be, because the subconscious mind responds to images. This is why people put up vision boards. They need an image up there, not to communicate consciously, but to communicate to the subconscious, to the reticular activating system. The second thing you need is emotion. You cannot create without emotion. Most people are focused on hate or fear. Those are powerful emotional, emotional triggers because there's fire to them. But love and passion also have fire. So you want to find an image that represents what you love so that when you look at it, you're feeling that love, that passion for the thing that you're saying you want when you look at the image. Then the third thing is repetition, which is why they often say, look at the thing you want 
first thing in the morning, look at it at night, or put it on the wall so when you go to sleep, there it is. When you wake up, there it is. Put it on your dashboard, put it on your phone, put it on your computer, so you keep programming the reticular activating system. And what is it going to do? You've told it, I want this car, house, whatever it happens to be that you have an image of. And as you're looking at it with, with the fire of love, you're engaging and activating the reticular activating system. And as you repeat it, you program it, you anchor it, you imprint it, and it will go out and still look through the 40 million bits of information in any one second, but now show you what is relevant to manifesting and attracting and achieving the very thing you say you want. It's powerful. It's a great thing to talk about. Yeah, no, that is. I love that because I was aware of the RAS uh, articulating, activating system, but I've never thought about programming it. And so right no. there uh, for for us watching, listening, tuning in, this that's a, a, a fantastic strategy. Great tip uh, right now. Just that alone would change and transform people's lives. So I love that idea. And, you know, it, it's so uh, amazing uh, how powerful our subconscious mind is. And, and I think one of the things that uh, that back to science, we're constantly learning more and more about the mind and especially the, the yeah. subconscious mind. We've scratched the surface on the subconscious mind. So I love that. Uh, thank you so much. That is a wonderful, wonderful gift. I My love pleasure. That. Well, I, I got an announcement to make here. Can I make an announcement on your show? Yes. I can make an announcement publicly on your Facebook live show without telling you what it is. <laughs> because I trust you. I love you. And, and I figure, you know, I, I know it's not going to be hate or porn. So go for it. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. I am announcing I'm doing a private retreat at the end of March next month in San Antonio. And this is very exciting because what I want to do is take people to the next level in their personal growth. It's a mastermind, but I'm calling it a Miracles Mastermind. I put the website up at MiraclesMastermindLive.com. You know what a mastermind is. Some people may not. The word mastermind was coined by Napoleon Hill when he wrote his book, Think and Grow Rich. He actually writes about it at length in a book before that called Law of Success or sometimes Laws of Success. And what's cool about a mastermind is not only are you in a group of people who support you and you support them and you pull your resources because they can help you with leads. You may be able to help them with leads. But the thing that is really magical, there's something called a third mind. A third mind. The third mind gets created from the people in the room at a mastermind. And that third mind is an organic creation that is esoteric and invisible, but is packed with wisdom. And you can receive new ideas, new information, new inspiration from the third mind. So I'm very excited because this is going to the next level. If anybody's at all concerned, any interest at all, go to MiraclesMastermindLive.com. MiraclesMastermindLive.com. There you go. That was my commercial break. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's see if I have this right. They popped it up here. Uh, let's see. Did it come up? Miracles. MiraclesMastermindLive.com. There you go. That's it. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Well, you know what? And, and the nice thing about, uh, you know, what you do, because uh, I've been at uh, several of your live events, is, is that, right. you know, you've always kept them kind of exclusive and small. You give a tremendous amount of your time and your heart and you work with people. And 
it's it's a wonderful experience. Unlike, you know, you go to some big events and, you know, there's five, 10,000 people there and you're it's just a wave of people. Uh, they're still good. They're still exciting. But to have that one on one is uh, is uh, priceless. And I haven't done an event like this in years. The last time I did one, people paid twelve thousand dollars each and flew in from all over the world. And this will not be anywhere near that kind of a fee. And it will only be for a small group of people because we want to be able to have the interaction. And it's me. I'm, I'm going to be speaking and leading the parade. I have two surprise speakers that will be there as well. But for the most part, this is a process-oriented, um, we'll call it a catalyst for transformation. Ooh, I like that. I like it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so I want to talk about this because I, I, I just love that you put this in the book. And that is called... Uh, the chapter on selling out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a, a lot of us, here we are, we're breaking ourselves. Uh, we're working as furiously and as hard as we can. And somewhere in the back of our mind, we hear this thing, oh, you're just a sellout. You're selling out. Talk about mm -hmm. this. Who is the singer that I quoted in the book? Uh, Bill, Bill, somebody I, in the chapter. Remember that chapter? I uh, what is his name? As you're looking it up, there's a singer that I saw the documentary on. As soon as he says the name, I go, oh, yeah. It's right in the front of that chapter. Bill, Bill Withers. Bill, Bill, here it is. Uh, Bill Withers. It is Bill Withers. All right. So Bill Withers wrote a bunch of great songs, and they did a movie on him, and they were talking about how great it was that he didn't sell out. And he he sat there for a second, quiet, and then he said, you know, we're all entrepreneurs. And what is the greatest sign we could put in the window as entrepreneurs? Sold and out. Said, Sold out. Sold out. So on one level, we were addressing the idea that, wow, it's really cool that he sold millions of his music and different, like Grandma's Hands was one of his songs, and I forget the other one, Lean On Me maybe. And he, he sold millions of these. But what he was doing was just selling. He wasn't selling out. Selling out is another one of those sneaky little um, judgments people use when they're trying to keep money away from themselves. And, Bert, that's, that's the takeaway here. We've got to become acutely sensitive and have the discernment to know when we're actually sabotaging ourselves with statements like that. I mean, a singer, I'm a singer-songwriter. I got albums. I want millions of them to be sold. I'll never in a moment say, oh, I sold out. I would say I did my best. I created some passionate music I believe in. And if I sold millions of them, I would say, man, it really sold well. I didn't sell out. So we have to look at that, that, you know, that description. Because when we say somebody sold out, we're putting them down and we're being sneaky about our relationship to money. We're saying money's bad and they sold out in some way that we're perceiving as negative. Right. So we want to we stop that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when I think of a sellout, uh, mm. to me, it's somebody that, uh, let's say uh, somebody who's, a, who's known for fitness. This is a fitness person. He or she is known for their fitness. They, they, they are, uh, what do you call it? They're concerned about nutrition and now they're promoting some sugary cereal. Right. That might be against their brand, against their values. So if you're going against your values, 
that that is something that you have to decide. Uh, but you know, uh, we've all seen people, uh, you know, in acting, especially where they'll make a movie that's maybe not so good, and and sometimes they're very honest and they'll say, well, you know what, frankly, I needed the money, you know, yeah. and so. You know, but yeah, I would say I, I like what you just described. I would say the phrase sold out would be used if you did something against your own ethics, your own values, right. and you did it for money. You might be you might use the phrase sold out. But right. even as you just pointed out, my God, some people do things for money. You know, I saw Bruce Willis at a movie yesterday, and I think he must have been paid millions of dollars to do no acting, to show up for 10 minutes, and to leave right after it. But I thought, you know, maybe he needed the money. Sure, sure. Have speed to him. And, 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 and at the same time, you know, if you're an actor, somebody's going to pay you to act. It seems weird not to say to say no. I mean, if you have the time, right. if you're available, you know, because right. uh, you never know. You know, especially in acting, you know, your your chicken salad one day, your chicken crap the next. I mean, so <laughs> right. You better, but, you know, you better take. Let's, let's be clear here. It's real easy for everybody that's watching this to get caught up in judgments about other people, and I think this is really important for us to be aware of because I don't care if it's that you want to be wealthy, you want to be healthy, you want to be successful, you want to be spiritual, you want to be enlightened. This is all about you. You personally, what's really at the the crux here is what is right for you to do? What is your passion? What is your mission? What is your life purpose, your life calling? And what can you do to clear your beliefs to start moving forward to become an awakened millionaire or to learn how to use principles like in the book, money loves speed and to make it real for you. It does not matter what Bruce Willis does. It does not matter what the Bill Withers does. It does not matter what anybody else in history has done. It matters what you are doing. And I want to keep bringing it home because it's real easy to get caught up in social drama, especially yeah. on social media. <laughs> and what we want to do is take care of ourselves, yes. take care of our lives, make a difference in our lives by extension, make a difference in the family and friends, community, and your contribution to the planet. But my God, let's not get caught up with judging other people because we don't know their inner motives. Right. We don't know what propels them to do what they're doing, but we do know with us. So we just want to be a mirror for ourselves. Yeah. No, Godspeed to you. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fantastic because we do, again, when I say we, we as a society, we as people, as humans, we sometimes do spend way too much time judging other people or, yeah. you know, way too much time, uh, you know, uh, knowing what somebody, you know, let's say some celebrity is dating another celebrity and they broke up or whatever. If you know the details of somebody else's life, the, the question is what, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you might know, you, you might be spending your time poorly right uh, it might be need to go someplace else all right the book uh, money love speed i love this um the eight laws here the eight laws for attracting money fast attracting money fast uh i, I the book is just uh pure gold uh you know the it's it's um it, it is you know a great book i love it um and i'm grateful for you coming on the show uh I, I could spend hours talking about the book. It's that good. Now, if I remember correctly, you posted something. You're doing the audio version of the book as well. 
I have recorded the audio, but I've not released it yet. So right now, the book is on Amazon. There is the paperback version, which you're holding up. There's the Kindle version, which is also on Amazon. And within a couple of weeks, we'll have the audio version once it's cleaned up a little bit, and we'll put that up for sale. Um, I want to say a couple of things about the book, if you don't mind, Bert, sure. because the way I wrote this book, there's a particular strategy in mind. The very first couple chapters are all designed to help somebody who is absolutely struggling and starving. Because I was homeless and I was in poverty, I know what that is like. You don't care about philosophy. You don't care about psychology. You don't care about beliefs or metaphysics. You want a hamburger. You want a roof over your head. You want a car. So the very first chapter is all about what to do right now if you don't have anything. The second chapter is 35 ways to start attracting money by doing a lot of little things. And some of them are surprising, making money from apps that you can download and people will pay you for your reviews. And then the, the, the next chapter is moving into the awareness of your own belief system. And then slowly I move into the laws of money. I also move into the beliefs about money. And I have particular chapters I'm proud of. There's one called uh, Prosperity Shock Treatment. That alone, I think, is pretty shocking. And I loved writing it. I still marvel at the, the what happens in that chapter. All of this is designed to take people from stress to success, from struggle to some sort of an awakening where they could become the awakened millionaire or maybe even something better. So this has been a labor of love. It's my first book in two years, so I'm very proud of it. And Bert, thank you. You're always supportive of me. I really love you, my friend. And I thank you for making time for me to be here with you. Well, you bet. You bet. Uh, you know what? And uh, I definitely would urge everybody to go and get the book. Uh, you know, again, if you're struggling, definitely get the book. It, it's going to open your mind. If you're if you're doing great and you want to do better, again, the, the book, I think, will give you some uh, multiple strategies. And then I want to talk about this last but not least. Uh, and that is uh, Miracles Mind uh, Mastermind Live dot com. Miracles Mastermind Live dot com. Uh, and this is, I think, the first event that you put on in, I don't know, five years. It's uh, three years, four years. I've lost track of time. I, I actually have forgotten how long it's been since I've done an event. And this is a, a closed door, an exclusive event in San Antonio, the end of uh, next month, March. And it's me and two other speakers. So we're going to be there for three days, taking care of business, helping people with whatever the blocks are. And as I like to say, we're really going beyond what the expectations are. You were talking about Arnold and you were talking about Musk and you're talking about on one level, they're almost impossible to believe that they have this inner dynamic that takes them to levels that the rest of us marvel over. Well, at the Miracles Mastermind Live, we want to do that. We want to drop our own limitations. We want to move past all of what our limiting beliefs are. And we want to move into an area that I call miracle making. I'm wearing a shirt that says expect miracles all because this is the mindset I want, the mindset I'm living and the mindset that I want to communicate. So we're all doing that at MiraclesMastermindLive.com. I love it. I love it. And you know what? Uh, again, it's that mindset. You are out there. You're programming your RAS to, to expect miracles, to see the good in people, to see the good in opportunities. And, and that is a life-affirming, life-changing mindset. And, and back to what you said earlier in the show, that most of us are programming ourselves for scarcity and limitation. And it's, right. it, it's just a, a terrible way to live. And anyway, Joe, thank you so much for stopping by. I can't wait to catch up with you later and uh, maybe have, uh, what do you call it, meet again there at the uh, Stinking Rose? 
<laughs> the Stinking Rose is one of my favorite restaurants on the whole planet. There's one in San Francisco and one in Los Angeles. I'll go to either one of them. I love it. I love it. Joe, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thank you. Godspeed to you. Godspeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. <laughs>